Today we celebrate the third Sunday of Advent, or as I usually refer to it, the one with the pink candle. Uh, Traditionally, the Sunday is known as Gaudete Sunday, or Rejoice Sunday, uh, hence lighting the candle of joy together. Today we also continue our Advent sermon series, the Gospel Lights Tour, where we're touring the metaphorical homes of the four gospel writers to see how they're preparing for the coming of the Lord. So far, we've toured Mark's austere home without Christmas decorations, instead bearing a message of pause, prepare, and hope. Next, we toured Matthew's big family reunion, but also his somber nativity scene, showing the chaos and disorder in our world, the very world Christ is coming to save and bring peace. Now we get to Luke which is the perfect gospel to use to reflect on this third Sunday where the theme is joy. As we approach Luke's home, we see that he is all decked out for Christmas. He has lots of big, bold decorations, Christmas lights, all those crazy inflatable angels and figures that you see in people's yards and much more. Luke has a display that would make Clark Griswold and Tim the Toolman Taylor jealous for its gaudiness. Luke, of course, has the big Christmas story, the one with shepherds, angels, farm animals in the stable with Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus. This is a story we'll hear together and spend much time together with on Christmas Eve, but there's much more to Luke's metaphorical home, and that's where I want to spend our time today. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the first chapter of Luke's gospel, beginning with the 39th verse. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. And holy is his name, for mercy is for those who fear him, for generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, and has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones, and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Faith, for giving life to Mary's beautiful and powerful song of praise. So like the other gospel writers, there isn't a whole lot we actually know about Luke. Scholars debate uh, heavily as to whether he was a Jew or a Gentile. For a while, people claimed that Luke was a physician. Now most scholars think that's probably not the case. What we do know about Luke is that, like Matthew, he writes near the end of the first century and was very influenced by Mark's gospel. 
You can almost picture Matthew or uh, yeah, Matthew and Luke writing their gospels with a copy of Mark right there on their desk beside them. One other thing we know about Luke is that he loved music and he loved to sing. Luke is the only gospel writer that fills the Christmas story in the beginning of his gospel with music. In addition to the big gaudy decor in his yard, he's also paid a choral group for the weeks leading up to Christmas uh, to, to uh, be there so that there's always a carol being sung when people come by his house to see the lights. The beginning of Luke's gospel feels like a big Broadway musical where periodically the action pauses and one or more characters burst into song, reflecting further on what's going on and the significance of it. Next to the Psalms, the first two chapters of Luke have more song than any other two in the whole Bible. The coming of the Lord, the birth of the Christ child, is cause for unprecedented song. Now, I know a lot of you think I'm really young, but believe it or not, I'm still old enough to remember making mixtapes. <laughs> to be honest, they were CDs in my day, but mixtapes nonetheless. I remember that every road trip, every vacation, every occasion merited its own unique mixtape. To be honest, I was never very good at this art compared to many of my friends, but hey, I tried, right? And I'll spare you the embarrassment of revealing what was on uh, Jim's Cool Jams volume number seven. <laughs> but what I remember is that the songs had to be carefully and thoughtfully planned out. The genres, the message, the style, all of these had to be just right with the mood and the occasion. But the order of these songs also mattered. Today, mixtapes now take the form of playlists on apps like Spotify or preset ones on Pandora my daughter likes to tell Alexa to play at home. And I love both of these uh, apps and devices, but most of the time, these playlists are set and they're played on shuffle, mixing up the order of these songs in a random computer-generated way. What's lost in these playlists is the, the uh, very crucial art of ordering songs, Rise and fall, familiar and new. And this mattered a lot in my day. We know this also mattered to Luke. In the beginning of his gospel, his Christmas story is really one big joyful mixtape of four beautiful uh, and uh, poetic and powerful songs. The mood, style, tone of these songs are carefully orchestrated with the character and the circumstance in mind. Luke also cared a lot about the order of these songs, and we're going to walk through each of them briefly. So in his four-song mixtape, there are two songs. The first two are Advent songs, before Christ's birth, and the last two are Christmas hymns, after Christ is born, proclaiming and celebrating his birth. The first song on the playlist is likely the best known, and that's Mary's Song of Praise, also known as the Magnificat, that Faith read uh, so wonderfully for us this morning. Mary's bold hymn echoes Hannah's song from the Old Testament. In the song, she sings of God's faithfulness throughout history, and now especially with the child she will soon give birth to. We'll come back to Mary's song after we, we visit with the other three. Next on Luke's mixtape, we have Zachariah's song, the Benedictus, which we read together responsively earlier. In addition to singing, I think Luke also must have liked babies a lot. 
He not only spends more time telling the story of Jesus' birth than the other gospel writers, he's also the only gospel writer to tell the story of John the Baptist's birth. And he does this through the perspective of his father, a high priest named Zechariah. Upon news of his wife's unlikely pregnancy and the role his son will play in preparing the way for the Messiah, Zechariah is struck mute. He's unable to speak. Then, as his son is born, he bursts into this beautiful song, promising God's salvation and light to a people living in darkness, about how the birth of his son John is part of God's bigger redemptive plan. Now we go to the B side of Luke's mixtape to the two Christmas songs. First, there's the song of the angels, the Gloria Canticle following Christ's birth, uh, which the angels sing to the nearby shepherds, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. This is the song we sung in Latin as our responsive uh, praise earlier. And then finally, Luke's Christmas mixtape ends with Simeon's song known as Nunc Dimittis, which, like the other canticles, is named after its first Latin words, uh, which in this case is now dismiss. Simeon is an older man who anticipated the birth of the Messiah his whole life. Now that he has seen God's salvation with his own eyes, now he can find rest. The songs beautifully flow from hope and anticipation to preparing, to glory and praise, and then finally, Rest and peace. Like I said, it's the perfect Christmas mixtape. It's one that has stood the test of time for almost 2,000 years now. So we've taken a quick look at Luke's Christmas mixtape, but maybe we ought to take a step back first and ponder just why they're all singing. To me, there are two overarching and really intertwined themes to Luke's mixtape. Justice and joy. We're going to explore these two themes by going back into and deeper into Mary's song. First, let's look at justice. All of these songs have some mention or hint at God's redemption drawing near. In Mary's song, she praises God for God's steadfast love, but that this love is shown forth in these upside-down and inside-out reversals of the power structures of the world. Structures that are oppressing the poor and marginalized, means that separate people from one another. Mary says God is at work redeeming these, and the coming child is not only part of this redemption, but the very culmination of it. Mary's song proclaims an active God at work, righting the wrongs of history. Soon the world is going to be turned upside down and twisted inside out. Howard Thurman was a renowned African-American theologian, and he was a significant leader in the civil rights movement. Among his many great works, he wrote a short poem entitled The Work of Christmas that I think so beautifully carries on the tune of Mary's song and the theme of justice. Hear these words. When the song of the angels is lifted, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, The work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, to make music in the heart. Friends, this justice of God expressed in the songs is always rooted in joy. The very theme of this third Sunday of Advent 
As I said earlier, this moment in history, the coming of the Christ child, is cause for unprecedented songs of joy. Mary rejoices in her song throughout. But do you notice why? Last week, some of you might have recalled how I spoke at length about how Matthew presents an unsugarcoated world, a world of pain and violence and chaos. At first glance, it might seem like Luke's gospel is oblivious to the problems of the world. But friends, this is far from the case. Do you notice in Mary's song, as we were hearing it read, her joy, her praise is rooted in what God has already done? Everything she talks about is past tense in the song. God has lifted up the lowly. God has brought down the powerful. God has filled the hungry. A little odd, right? I mean, Jesus hasn't even been born yet, and she's singing about all these things he will do. Scholars believe that these past tense verbs are used dramatically, or to put it in theological terms, they're used to create a sense of prolepsis. That is, speaking of God's future actions in Christ as if they've already happened. Mary's very joy here is proleptic. She sings, she praises God in past tense because of her confidence in what God has done, God is doing, And God certainly will do. The unborn John the Baptist exudes some of this proleptic joy in our first reading, or in our reading also, as he leaps in his mother's womb when Mary comes to visit. This isn't a sugar-coated view of the world. It's a worldview that is confident in God's presence, but also in God's redemption of the pain and brokenness of our world. This confidence, this hope, This joy allows her to sing of God's redemption in Christ and sing of it as if it's already happened. Now that's an Advent song if I've ever heard one. Luke's mixtape sets the tone here, starting with Mary's bold, proleptic song of praise so that all of us, everyone who hears of it, can start singing along to the soundtrack of hope, joy, and redemption. A friend of mine a few years back shared a story with me about how he and his wife wanted to get in the Christmas spirit and feel good about humanity. So they decided to spend their Saturday serving as bell ringers for the Salvation Army. Unfortunately for them, they were placed in a mini mall in a dying part of my hometown, Lansing, Michigan. So needless to say, they weren't having a whole lot of success inviting people to give to help their neighbors in need. He told me that this experience was beginning to bum them out about the holidays even more than before they started volunteering. But just then, they spotted a young girl with her parents coming out of a nearby store. The girl had an intent look in her eyes as they made contact with that infamous red kettle. She broke from her parents and made a beeline to the red kettle. My friend said that as she reached them, she opened her hands to reveal five pennies, two in one hand and three in the other. And she put each penny in one by one. And as she did, her smile grew and grew, becoming, as my friend said, an expression of pure, unbridled joy. To my friend, this girl was singing Mary's song. Not because he thought that the five cents she gave would really go to help a hungry neighbor. This girl was singing Mary's song to my friend because without even speaking a word, 
She showed him, through this gesture of joy and generosity, that hope is alive and well, that redemption is coming, that the world is about to turn with the coming of the Christ child. Luke's gospel provides us with this mixtape of songs to fit the mood of unprecedented joy that the Christ child brings. But Luke does this so that we might join in this ongoing song, that we might sing along with Mary in proleptic joy and justice as we await Christ's coming. So like Dr. Thurman, like the girl at the Salvation Army kettle, may we, all of us, continue the tune of Mary's song proclaiming God's redemption in Christ through our actions and our words. But like my friend, may we also listen. May we listen for others throughout us in our community and world who are joining in this ongoing song in our midst, that one day all might know the good news of God's kingdom. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to God's people on earth. Amen.